Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and I make disciples. Welcome, uh, any uh, new time visitors here? Uh, anyone else that I missed? Thank you for coming and worshiping with us this morning. My name is Van, for you guys who don't know, and uh, I help lead uh, campus with my lovely wife here, Naomi. And uh, let's give it up for Jared. Let's give it up for Jared. That was actually his first time emceeing. Did a pretty good job, man. Awesome. Good job, man. So, and I just want to also, uh, again, uh, congratulate Saipan on their 20th 20th, uh, uh, anniversary there. And uh, let's just uh, quickly pray for those guys over there, okay? Lord Father, we lift up Saipan, uh, your church over there. Um, we just ask, Lord Father, that your Holy Spirit would, uh, would be with them, uh, celebrating with them uh, of all the great things you have done in that church over there, and that we look forward to many more years of celebrating Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in week four of Unwavering, our series. And this morning we're going to be talking about faith and covenant. Okay? Faith and covenant. And what we're going to be looking at is how God comes to Abraham and creates this covenant with him to show how serious his promises are and to show how we as Christians can come to trust in God and have unwavering faith. Let me just quickly pray again. Lord Father, I thank you for this morning. I ask, Lord Father, as I begin to speak, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, speak to our hearts. And Lord Father, that you would remind us of your word, remind us of your love for us and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at our main text today. It's Genesis 15, 1 through 10, and also verses 17 through 18. So sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram, uh, Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good, what good are all your blessing when I don't even have a son? Since you've given, uh, since you've given me no children, um, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have give me, uh, given me, I think I messed up on the end there. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars, if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, 
O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. 17 and 18. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoke and fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. So here's a little background in a quick recap of what we just read. So early in, in Genesis, you know, God calls Abram and he, and he begins to promise these things. You know, he promises great, amazing things and, and you're going to have many, many descendants. And God is coming to him again, just, just reiterating it. You know, years have passed, just kind of reminding Abram about his promise. But, you know, Abram has, has some doubts. Like we see, he's like, uh, well, I know you t- told me these things, but I don't have a son. Where's my son? You know, how, how am I going to pass this on? How am I going to have descendants if I don't have a son? You know, and sometimes we can relate to Abram when it comes to promises, you know, some of you in here have, have promises from the Lord, right? And time and time and, and maybe years have gone by and you're wondering, God, uh, I believe you told me this years ago. I'm not seeing it happen. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be patient here. I'm, you know, I'm trying to have faith in you and trust in you and your promise. But I'm still not seeing it happen. So we can relate to Abram in that way. But Luke 18, 27 says, what is impossible for people is possible with God. See, Abram was getting old. He was getting really old. So much so that in our modern times, and Sarah was getting old with him, that they were getting beyond the age of childbearing. So you could see in Abram's mind that, I don't know, how's this going to happen? You know, people this old really don't have children. You know, what what about your promise, Lord? So to reassure Abraham, God does something new. He does something that Abram could really understand. He creates this covenant. And when he creates this covenant with Abraham, he's, he's pretty much saying, I will surely do this. You know, I've set my promise, but I'm, I'm promising you even more if, if I can. I'm showing you I will surely do it. So let's, uh, let's look at the background of what's a covenant. A covenant in Abraham's day was a way of, you know, sealing 
a, a transaction or making a deal between two parties. So we're going to look at uh, quickly three uh, different types of covenants. Uh, first one, uh, we, we know this one, between two equal parties, uh, a marriage. When we come together at a marriage ceremony and we say, I love you and I love you and I do and I do, we do that before God and we, become, and we come into a marriage covenant. And then, you know, back in Abram's day, there was a greater king and then there was a lesser king and they would make a covenant. And this is what God, ta- uh, this is what God does to pretty much speak to Abram on his own, in his own way. Uh, so pretty much uh, like what we read, uh, they would take animals and they would cut them right down the middle and they would lay the halves on each side. And, and I don't know if they held hands or not. But um, they, they would walk through the sacrifice together, binding themselves to this covenant, to this agreement. And it was a pretty serious one because if for any reason you didn't hold up to your end of the bargain or the covenant, pretty much what was done to those, uh, to those animals would be done to you. You're pretty much saying, if I don't hold up to my end, you can cut me right down the middle. So if you were going to come into this covenant, you better make sure you hold up your end or you would die. So for God to do this, I mean, he was really telling Abraham or Abram at the time, I will surely do it. And then there's a promissory covenant, which is one-sided. And that's what we see here. We see Abraham, he wakes up and he sees this floating fire pot and a torch. Now, I don't know if he was freaked out or not, but he sees these things float through the sacrifices. You know, he didn't go through it. God did. So God made a covenant with himself. And we're going to get, we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. So I got three points for you today. First point, God binds himself to his word. A secondary text is Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 20. And it says, God also bound himself with an oath or a promise so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. There was no Bible back then. So God's word was his literal word. His promise, his oath was his word. He went through the sacrifice, binding himself to his promise that he gave Abram. You know, that's sort of like today, like when, uh, you know, we have a, in, a, in our modern day, we have contracts. You know, if we're trying to uh, uh, co-sign on a car or something like that, you know, that's, that's sort of like God taking you uh, through the contract and saying, you know, okay, I'll sign first. Now it's your turn. 
And then as you go to sign, he kind of, oh, you know what? Let me take this pen back and signs in your place. That's how that would look today. And he does that for a very good reason. He did that to reassure Abraham that his promise was going to be true, that it was going to come to pass. So why can we trust in God's covenant? We see it in Scripture. It's impossible for God to lie. He will never, ever lie. On the contrary, the devil will always lie. So you have God of absolute truth and then the devil, the father of lies. No in-between. God is also a God of justice. What does that mean? He has to do the right thing. He will never, ever waver in right and wrong. Every single decision, every single thought, everything, every, every single purpose he has is to do the right thing. He's bound to that. Because if he refuses to tell the lie or he just changes one little thing about him doing right, he ceases to be God. If he claims to be perfect, he has to be perfect. And he has an awesome track record of being perfect. Never told a lie. Never did anything wrong. He's a perfect, awesome, great God. And through this, God shows us his integrity. You know, in, in our days, sometimes we can, we can say, you know what, be a man of your word. Or we, we swear to God and, or we say, I put that on my mama. Or, you know, you, you can bank on that. But Jesus simply says, let your yeses be your yeses and your noes be your noes. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. When we go beyond our word, we are trying to, you know, a lot of people will do that to manipulate. They'll say, you know what, I, I'm going to reassure you. I, I swear to God, I put that on my mama or I put that on my son or, or a, a lot of these sayings we hear nowadays. Knowing good and well, they're not going to, uh, you know, uh, hold up to the end of their bargain. So that's why God is saying anything more than that is from the, the evil one. So God binds himself to his word, and because of this, he binds himself to his purpose. So God binds himself to his purpose. His promise is actually just a part of his purpose. God's main purpose since the fall of man was to redeem us, was to restore us. He wanted us to get back to the way it used to be before the fall, where it was just free fellowship with him. Nothing was separating us from God. So we know since we, you know, Jesus died 2,000 years ago, we know that that was how that was going to happen. And Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. So God had to give Abraham a son so that Jesus Christ would come. You know, he binds himself to his purpose through his word. 
So when he binds himself to his word, he's just really binding himself to what he wants to accomplish here. See, God never sweats. He's never up in heaven on his throne biting his nails. He's never conversing with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Guys, guys, we need to have a meeting. I just don't know what to do. I have no idea how to save Van today. I have no idea how to save my people today. God is not troubled. He's not, he doesn't sweat on the throne. Because no one can stop him. He's an omnipotent God. All-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign. Nothing will stop his purpose from happening. So by now you've probably noticed my shirt. I have a shirt on. Okay? And, you know, I was online and I was shopping and I said, oh, this is a cool shirt. It's kind of different, you know. And I was like, man, it's got some, it's got some bugs on it. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Let me get that. And, you know, it comes in the mail and, you know, I got to try it on because, you know, different brands will have different measurements for, for sizes. So I, I, I got large to just to be safe. You know, and I'm trying it on, and, and then I go to my wife, and I'm like, hey, how, do, how does it look? You know those bugs look like roaches, right? <laughs> what? Then I go in the bathroom, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm really looking at the bugs, and I'm like, oh, they are roaches. <laughs> So I was kind of bummed, you know, that the bugs were roaches. You know, on the website, they looked like beetles or something or some type of other bug. So, you know, she kind of uh, squashed my excitement. Um, you know, I, 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 was, I was thinking about it. I was, you, know, you know what I should have told her? I said, well, God loved roaches, too. He, he made them to eat dirt and to eat dead stuff. So I'm, I'm sporting God's creation right here. So don't tell me about my roaches on my shirt, you know. Um, and then it just kept happening. You know, I, I put it on this morning. I, I go in the bathroom just to finish up. My son comes in. Why you got cockroaches on your shirt? I was like, they ain't roaches. Go, go on somewhere. I get, getting out the car, buy daddy cockroach. Just killing me. Get up there, Delante say, you know you got roaches on your shirt? Elaine's like, what's up? What's the deal with the roaches? It's just still a nice shirt. 
You, you, have, you, have, you ever have a showdown with a roach? You ever have a showdown with a roach? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we, we watch movies and, like, we turn off all the lights and then, you know, I, I need to get some water. I like to drink water before bed. So I, I turn on the light and then there's a roach right on the counter. And, you know, he's, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And he knows I want to kill him. But there's a spiritual application to this, okay? I'm talking about roaches. <laughs> you know what he says to me? What's up, player? Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to make my way over to that behind that stove. And you can't stop me. That's what's going to happen. And then, you know, you, 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 you like try to get some paper towel or a shoe. And you, and you go for the roach. And then the, and the roach just parkour over the counter, you know, flipping over the, the bowls and stuff, you know, hiding behind stuff. And then and, and you're trying to find it. You spraying, you're spraying whatever you have. And it's just not dying. You can't stop the roach. You know? And then all of a sudden, you, you, you're trying to get close to it, and then it, what does it do? Goes right behind the stove. I just spent 10 minutes of my time trying to kill you. And he, you know, he said, I told you, man. I told you what I was going to do. You can't stop me. How fu- you know, I've been living here since you moved in. <laughs> you think you're going to get me now? I have too much experience. They never kill me. You can't kill me. It's not going to change. I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> but just like you can't stop the roach, you can't stop God. You can't stop God. He's unstoppable. Just like that roach behind your stove. You can't stop him. Victory Worship has a song. We, I think we sung it before, uh, sung it. It's called In Your Name. Next, next. And the pre-chorus goes, my hope you restore, your promise is sure. And I am convinced that you are faithful. Simple chorus, but it's powerful. All things are possible in your name. All things are possible with God. You know, I just went on a trip to the PI for the, the Build Conference, and there's a lot of great messages, a lot of uh, uh, things that poured into me that I soaked up. And I'm going to share two testimonies about how powerful God is and how he's unstoppable. First testimony, I cannot share the country or the, or the man's name because it's one of these creative access countries where, uh, you know, uh, Christianity is... Is illegal, and you could pretty much die for being Christian. Um, I believe they were holding a victory weekend. So there's there were, uh, a group of people, I think there were 20, worshiping in this room, you know. And all of a sudden, 20 police broke down the door. They broke down the door. They're searching from room to room, and they find them worshiping in this room. So they go in, and they start asking questions. 
about what they're doing. And there were students there. You know, brand new students, too, to the faith. And you know what they did? By the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they began to preach the gospel to those policemen. Not fearing anything, boldly proclaiming Jesus. One student was like, you know what? I was an addict. I was doing this and this and this, and then Jesus came into my life. And now I'm here worshiping him. That's what Jesus Christ has done for my life. What about you? Do you know who Jesus is? So as these students are preaching the gospel, let me show you what God does. The leader of the policeman just comes in and says, you know what? Next time, can you just lower the number? No one is arrested. No one is beaten. No one is killed. He just simply said, lower the number. God's protection is awesome. And actually, one of those students who just got saved used to be on the student council at her university. And you know what her main job was? To find out who were Christians and to report them. She was in that victory weekend. God's purpose will not be stopped. It's too powerful. Another one, uh, a Samoan. Pastor Jared, um, he went to the School of World Missions in, in the Philippines, and God called him to start a church in Fiji. So, you know, he sells everything he has, takes his family, and, and goes to Fiji. And as he's getting off the plane, um, you know, I guess people knew that uh, he was starting a, a church there. So uh, they say, good luck. You know, there's so much red tape and political things going on uh, that it's just hard to register or start a church there. But, you know, Pastor Jared, he said, you know what, it, when, when God's trying to do something, you got to be careful what the enemy's trying to tell you. you got to be careful about what you hear from other people. So he believed that his God would make it happen. So... Um, just some, just some background there. He has a limited visa. I think it was about four months. And for you to stay there and get a permanent work visa, beforehand you had to register your religious organization, which was very hard to do. So he thought about it. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to go meet this guy who does the registration. So he goes to his office and begins talking to him. And the guy, for some reason, starts to explain his, um, you know, problems with his body or something. I don't know what it was. But Jerry, at the time, was a physical trainer. So he was like, hey, man, you know, I could, I could help you with that free of charge. You know, I got a certificate. I'm a certified physical trainer. Uh, meet me at the gym, and I'll help you for free. So the guy takes him up in, on his offer. They meet at the gym, and... Uh, this was a little funny joke. He says, uh, we start doing the workout, and it wasn't even hard. I don't know what it was. He didn't explain it. It just wasn't hard, and the guy begins to faint. 
So he begins to faint and drops on the floor of the gym. And Jared's like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. This guy's going to die, and I can't register to church. We're going to get kicked (laughs) off of Fiji because this guy's going to die. The Holy Spirit, you know, he starts praying. The Holy Spirit says, you know what, pray for him. And, and, And tell him start to declare the words of God. So he says, you know, hey, man, hey, man, pray this, pray this, just repeat after me. You know, in Jared's mind, he's like, you know, this guy is a stranger. I don't even know if he's a Christian. He's going to look at me weird. So they start praying, and the guy's like, whoa, what just happened? I'm healed. God heals him right on the spot. And then he's like, what did you want to do again? You want to start a, you want to start a church here? You know what? Give me the application. I'll get it back to you in three weeks. In three weeks, they were registered. God's purpose cannot be stopped. So he begins to, to, to meet and, and, and greet and talk with these locals. And they're like, how in the world did that happen? There's churches that have come here before you still not registered. That shows you the difference when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're empowered, when you let him work in your situation. When you let God be God. When you get out of the way and, let, and just let God be God. If you totally depend on him, he will work in power and in grace. God's grace is so powerful, it changes everything and everyone. It's powerful enough to come into our lives and it helps us change things we can't, like our heart. It redirects our desires and our motives. It causes us to become living sacrifices to God, holy and acceptable to God. And along with grace, the love of God binds him with his people. God loved Abraham too much to just leave him alone. He made a promise to him. You know, when you come into a covenant, you come into it, you know, two parties, right? It's not just by yourself. Even though he did cut a covenant with Abraham, uh, I'm going to explain why he did that. But you come into a covenant with two people. You're bound to a other party. And even though Abraham had doubts and struggles, it did not drive his God away. See, God initiated the relationship. God pursued Abraham. Abraham, he wasn't around in the wilderness like, hey, God, where are you? Where, hey, where are you at? No, he was just living in, in, and it says in the word that God calls Abram. And he responds See, God has to draw us first before we come into that relationship with him. God calls us. God initiates the relationship with us. You're in here because God is actively seeking you. You're not here just because you woke up and decided to come to church. You're here because God loves you and he's drawing you. He's drawing you. 
and he's actively seeking you. And that's a good thing. Right? If he never drawed us, we would never be here. He could have just left his creation to miserably fail. Because if we're left to our own devices, our own evil thoughts and motives, we probably would have nuked each other by now. But this, Romans 8, 38 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate, separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor wor- our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. See, God made a covenant with Abraham not because he needed to, because he wanted to. God's word is enough. If God speaks to you and and gives you a promise, it should be enough because it comes from a perfect, unchanging God. When he makes a covenant, he's just reaffirming that. He's strengthening that promise. Because, you know, us as humans, we can have a hard time believing in God sometimes. We wave in our, in our faith. You know, I believed you on this, God, but man, this is a little bit too big. This one is a little bit too big. This mountain's a little bit too big. I'm starting to waver in my faith. So we can relate to Abram in that. But God just wants to reassure Abraham. He wants to reassure us of the things he's promised. You know, it's like God giving us a shot of faith giving us the encouragement we need to to keep going on. It increases our belief in him. So a God incapable of lying makes a promise with himself. You can't go higher than that. You can't go higher than that. It's like God double stamped it because he's a God of absolute truth and a God of justice. Remember, he has to do the right thing. So what does that do for us? That gives us a reason to increase our faith and trust in him, in God, in Jesus. And it shows us how much he truly loves us. See, God's love saves us. And this is one of my favorite parts about this message. God didn't allow Abraham to participate. He didn't allow him because he knew Abraham was just a mere man, corrupt in his nature, very capable of wavering in his faith. Faith. And we see this in the next chapter. See, this promise was in Genesis 15. If you go to Genesis 16, time has passed. Sarah is still barren. Still barren, still no son, after God comes and re, reaffirms this promise. So, you know, Sarah gets this thought, you know what, I'm still barren. I'm, I'm, I'm really past the, the age of childbearing. She gets this thought, and she comes to Abraham, and, and they, they, they mingle over it, and they agree to have Abraham have a child 
with Sarah's servant, Hagar. This is where we see Ishmael come into play. So this is an example, this is a example of people trying to do things in their own power. Try to, trying to bring about God's promise, but in their own power. But if we remember the covenant and, and, and the promise that the son was going to come through Sarah, not Hagar. So the promise was still not fulfilled. They tried to do it on their own. So we see Abraham waver in his faith. We see him break the covenant. That's why God did not allow Abraham to go through the sacrifice. Because if he, if he allowed him to go through that sacrifice, he would be bound to it, right? And what was the consequence? Death. That's like God's pre-Jesus grace. He didn't allow him to do that because he loved Abraham too much. Abraham didn't get to participate. But you know what? In the new covenant, we do. The new covenant. Jesus came and took our place on the cross. Took the punishment for our sins. Took every blow. Every strike on the back for us. It says in his word, his, by his stripes we are healed. Every blow he thought of us. See, those lead tips on the whip ripped his flesh. Those tips should have ripped our flesh. That crown of thorns should have went on our head and should have been bashed in. Those nails should have been put in our wrist and, or hands or in our feet. Those things should have been done for us, but he took our place on the cross. Because of that, grace was established. See, Jesus served as the covenant sacrifice. And because his sacrifice was perfect, when we believe in and follow Jesus, God's grace keeps us from immediate consequences of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death. Sin breaks the covenant with our heavenly loving Father. Romans 3.24 says, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty, penalty from our sins. His grace is sufficient. The Bible also says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace changes everything. So in the same way God saved Abraham from just falling on his face, he does the same with us. Through the new covenant. And because of that, when we believe in Jesus, we get, we, we're entitled to, yeah, that's a good word, entitled to all the promises that's in that word of God. We're grafted into the tree, we're grafted into the family. So every promise 
that is given to under Abraham, we benefit from that now. Once we believe and follow Jesus. So in conclusion, if God binds himself to his word, his purposes and his people, we can have unwavering faith in him. We can truly believe in what he says in the word of God and not waver in faith because he's an unchanging God. We can be reassured that he will fulfill his promises by being perfectly steadfast in his ways and his character and his love. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Father, I thank you. I thank you. Uh, I thank you for showing us today that you're serious about your promises. That you're serious about your purpose and your people and redeeming and restoring us to the where we're supposed to be. And I thank you for cutting a new covenant with us, for bringing grace into the picture, knowing that we mess up time and time again. But because Jesus died on that cross, we have time and time again to get it right. I thank you for your love and your mercy. And at this time, if there's anyone in here that hasn't entered into that, that new covenant, that relationship with Jesus, I want to give you a chance to do that. If there's anyone in here that wants to give their life to Christ today, just simply look up and raise your hand and I'll see you. Anyone in here today? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, for the promises that we read each and every day. Lord Father, I just pray that, uh, uh, I pray that you protect our minds. Protect us from the lies of the enemy that will give us doubts and struggles in our faith. Lord Father, increase our faith, faith increase our trust in you today, in Jesus' name.